To quote the great Steven Tyler, same old song and dance. And right now, that looks like the road that Florida State football is on with Chris Parson potentially decommitting in the next several days. That and more on today's edition of Locked on Seminoles. You are Locked on Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here, and today I'm joined by Mr. David Wise. Playboy, what's going on, my guy? We're gonna keep it positive today, Drake. That was a uh, got some got some sad to talk about with Chris Barson, possibly. But, hey, uh, we're, we're no swearing, but we gotta, we gotta keep it clean, Dave. We gotta keep it clean, man. Come we on. got some sad stuffs to talk about today with Chris Parson, possibly, but. You know, try to keep it festive here. You know, coming off a nice long weekend. My birthday is a federal holiday, and I like that. So, yeah, let's keep those good vibes going. But, yeah. no, I mean, Dave, you're right, though. We do have a lot of good stuff to talk about today. But let's start off with basically what's the hot trending topic right now on Twitter, and that is the potential decommitment of one Chris Parson. Chris Parson, for those of you who don't know who, which would be surprising, because if you listen to one of our podcasts, then uh, you would know who Chris Parson is. Chris Parson is a three to – I think he's a four-star, now could be by 247 Sports. Yep. Uh, out of Tennessee, I, th- I think there's the Brent. I think Ravenwood's the high school, and right now it appears to be that he overall is not being as favored by FSU. FSU in recent days, recent months has been recruiting Brock Glenn, Ricky Collins. I know they extended an offer to Emory Williams, who actually just committed to Miami a few minutes ago. So, Dave, what do you make right now? Actually, of this entire saga when it comes to Chris Parson and his potential decommitment from the program. Oh, Drake, um, this doesn't feel good. This, like you said, it feels like uh, just what's it called? Deja vu all over again. Like they used to say on sports center. Groundhog, um, man, bro. See, seen this, seen this story before. Um, yeah. Sam Howell. And then um, who was it after that? The, the, uh, the kid that is left it Nico us at the No, the, the kid that left us, at, left us at the altar. Luke Altmeyer. Luke Altmeyer. When, when Max made that really bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> that was, was pretty bad. Funny. It was all right. Funny. Look. Quarterback is the most important position on the field. There is zero debate about that mm-hmm. uh, that can be had about that. We have recruited the quarterback position notoriously poorly, especially at the high school level for the better part of a decade now. Uh, not, not, not a full decade, but just more than a half decade now. And here it is. Uh, we're, we're seeing the effects of that now. Um, we're, you know, we're trying, we didn't do anything about it in the transfer portal. We didn't take a, a second quarterback uh, behind Duffy. We complained plenty about that. Didn't mean to be negative, but it was negative. And Chris Parson, we put a lot of eggs in that basket. We figured, okay, he'll be the AJ Duffy of this class. Then Kenny Dillingham left. And, you know, whether or not it was because of their relationship that he was going to come here, he was still committed. He still is committed here. And it's my hope that the staff will be able to convince a blue chip quarterback who I think absolutely can compete with AJ Duffy to be the starting quarterback here and be productive here um, and lead us to a much better record than we've been experiencing. Uh, it appears that either because the staff has recruited other quarterbacks or because perhaps the relationship just isn't the same with Dillingham gone, that Chris Parson might be uh, one foot out the door. And if he is, I do not feel good about plan B because plan B hasn't really worked out all that well under this or the previous staff. So, 
the one question I think I had was Max mentioned this a few weeks ago, and I think it's a really good point. Do you think that because Chris Parson, I think, just received his four star, right? I think he's a tie, I think he's ranked right now, I guess, with around a 300 spot, basically, when it comes to 329, 16th quarterback in the country. Okay, 329. And so, do you think that the reason why I guess the fan base right now is basically like in full on, full on panic mode is because, you know, what happened with Travis Hunter back in December and also that we're putting a lot more weight into Chris Parson? Because if you look at his highlights and everything, I mean, I'm not saying he's not special, but he's not, you know, the elite of the league quarterback when it comes to his, you know, his tape jumping out at you when you're actually watching it. Do you think it's more that we're afraid of losing a QB commitment because basically it's like, you know, an over and over and over again kind of situation? Well, first of all, the Travis Hunter thing was something I've beat the drum about. Like everyone that decommits until the end of time, it's going to be. I know you're the worst guy. I'm trying to tell you. Um, But, but um, no, I mean, again, we're talking about the most important position on the field. If we want to be good again, all we need to, to get back to a nine win season is really just to plug in a, a top tier quarterback. I really think that, I mean, that covers up a lot of deficiencies throughout the roster and it can with this roster too. Um, you lose him and suddenly you're talking about the pipeline being AJ Duffy. And then what, like we're going to be, I think we're probably going to be relying on AJ Duffy to start as a red shirt freshman next year. And after that, I don't know what the depth looks like, but I know it scares me. And I know it scares me that I would like to have a competition between blue chip prospects at the quarterback position. Um, the You can make three stars work, but historically at Florida State, the, the blue chips at the most important position have been the reason we've been as good as we have been. Would this conversation be a moot point if we land either one of Brock, Brock Leonard or Rick Collins? Maybe. I don't know. And and you asked the question of, is it because Chris Parson is so good? Is that the reason people are freaking out? Um, I no, don't no, know. No, no, no. It's not even that. I'm saying, like, do you think we're overvalued? Let's say we're saying, like, oh, my God, look at that pass. And, like, it was like, a, it's a, like for most programs, like, it's like a normal pass. Like, do you think that or the fan base is overvaluing, like, the, um, not his importance, but, like, basically his, like, his highlights, his tape overall? Well, um, I can tell you this. It's it's almost like a lose lose for Norvell. I feel like, because if Parson doesn't come here and either of those other two or any other quarterbacks in the class come in and they, they don't do well here. It's, I mean, it's going to be a, just a death blow to Norvell. I think his tenure here because he will have failed to recruit that position just like Willie Taggart did. Um, if somebody comes in and does okay, you know, does well or okay. Uh, another, he's at least got uh, Duffy. I know, I know. But if another quarterback comes in and does okay, um, I, I don't know if they're backup quality, even or even if they compete with Duffy, um, I think that will have been the expectation. I think it's like, yeah, you should be able to do that here at Florida State. We've had a Heisman winning quarterback in the last 10 years. How many schools can say that? You know, so I don't know. Um, I think we can probably replace his talent level. I don't think the reason people are so freaked out is because Chris Parson is the next coming of Jameis. Um, but he is a blue chip quarterback. He did do well at the elite 11 competitions. Um, I like the way he plays. If you go watch his tape, I think he's exciting as a prospect at the quarterback position, but he's, he's probably talent wise replaceable. Yeah. And I think the one thing that I just, I think that how's the best way to put this? I think people are treating Chris Parson the same way that a lot of people treat Jordan Travis where Jordan Travis is the best option on a 
bad team. I've got best option in a QB room that, like you said before, only has Tay Rodemaker, AJ Duffy, and the GOAT Geno English, TikTok sensation. So overall, I think with Chris Parson, so far is the only option that we've had, and he's been committed since, what, 2021? So he's been committed for over a year. Yeah, I think more of the fan base is kind of like, right now they felt that that was the only option, and we've just now started to go after other options in in Brock Glenn and in Rock Rick Collins. I think the fan base right now is just mainly there's I think they're just more, I guess, oh, not overvaluing, but it's more that they're just they're just afraid of losing anything at this point because right now we haven't had yeah. good news in a very long time. And quite frankly, I think if you look at the kids, Rock Glenn and Ricky Collins, I think Ricky Collins is at least on par with Chris Parson. Rock Glenn potentially might be actually the best one out of all three. And we were actually went after Emory Williams, who's some, you know, is a little more polarizing overall. He just came into Miami. So that leaves Jaden Rashada either going to Billy Napier over Florida or most likely go over to Texas A&M or Texas ATM as the cover three podcast calls them. So to yeah. me overall, like that's how it probably is going to be seen. It, it just, it look, it just seems like if he does decommit, it feels, even if this isn't the case and even if it's not fair or warranted, it feels like one of those, of course, like another in a line of failures or curious decisions, like, taking Rodemaker over Sims. Like, I'm not saying that Sims would have been better here than Rodemaker. It's just like the way things have worked out, it feels like, of course, of course, of course, everything that doesn't go right over the last six years is just, of course, right? Yeah, it's getting to the point where like, damn, 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 damn. Well, like at least, at least at some point, something needs to turn around. But hopefully right now we're seeing actually with the offensive line, how that is turning around really quickly. But before we get to that, folks, we need to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net. Betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to get all our latest sports action, whether it be NHL playoffs, Stanley Cup is wrapping up as we speak, Major League Baseball heading into the All-Star break, or if you're like myself, if you're a fan of the pugilistic arts, head on over to get a check on some UFC. And also NCAA win totals have dropped. Florida State opened last year at 5.5. This year, they're at 6.5. Me personally, this is a team that can win seven games, so I've already got my locked in at 6.5. But folks, betonline.net. Use promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N. And you get a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bandline.net, where the game starts. All right, Dave, we got the bad news out of the way. Basically, we should ask the fan base first. I should ask you first whether or not we shouldn't the uh, the bad news first or the good news second. So let's go over some good news. And right right now, as we're recording this, I think, I believe, is the kid's name is, I'm hopefully can pronounce it correctly, Jastin Turnatine. He is the offensive tackle from the University of South Carolina, who is actually apparently right now at the Moore Center, apparently getting ready for classes. Now, we're not saying he's committed. We, unlike some other outlets on here, actually wait to get the official word from the kid himself. And we don't also have learned from our lessons from saying certain things and not doing the same thing twice. And also, when we have a tweet, we don't delete it so for prosperity's sake. So, Dave, what can tell me more about the, uh, the offensive line impact of a Jason Turin team? Well, Drake, I can tell you that if, if it hasn't been made clear enough to, to this point, keep in mind we're still recruiting offensive linemen. We, how, how many do we have? I mean, we must have a three deep now, right? Not that, <laughs> not, not that we would trust the third layer of that depth, but – all I know is we've added 4,000 pounds to the line, which is something that I think is an insane stat. <laughs> so Atkins had been making this line better each year since he's been here. Clearly the roster coming into this year, just the, the staff was worried about it. Obviously, if, if you don't, this is a money year. We've talked about it. This is just, this is a sign to me that the staff recognizes it's a money year. 
if you don't bring in enough options at the offensive line position that you can figure out a five that can keep Jordan Travis upright and not injured and figure out what the hell to do when an offensive lineman inevitably goes down, I think it shows the staff knows if they can't accomplish that, then it's going to be a really tough sell getting anybody excited next year because a bad offensive line has that trickle-down effect. And, you know, just just adding adding another kid, especially from a power five. Uh, he's from South Carolina, right? Yeah, he's from South Carolina. Okay. Just just adding a kid like that, another big kid on the offensive line, I'm, I'm not going to project him to start. I mean, it would be stunning to me if he started. And if he did, that would probably say some bad things about the current state of the offensive line. But I will take every opportunity we can get when an offensive lineman goes down and everybody's looking at each other like, oh, we're going to lose now, aren't we? Yeah, and just for folks at home, his size, he is six foot six, 337 pounds. That is a lot of – that is a lot of person. That is a – and I have a few friends of mine from law school who went to South Carolina and they're South Carolina boosters. When I asked them, hey, what can you tell me about Jazz turn time? Do I have to call him turnstile when he actually does start and doesn't play well? So from what they told me, he's like, is he going to start? I'm like – no, he should be a death piece. And basically what told me is that he's a solid, you know, death piece rotational wise, because basically he gasses out a little bit in the middle of games. Well, that was his one problem in South Carolina. His size is really late there. He's not the worst tackle I've ever seen, but someone, if you if you need him to be dispel someone for a few plays, he's someone you want to turn to. And this is the same, you know, friends of mine who told me about Jamie Robinson being probably an all ACC safety and told me that Kier Thomas actually might have been the better of the two. So shout out to the Boner Dogs group chat, my degenerate gambling chat from law school days. So. Overall, Dave, I agree with you. Like now, it feels like we legit have like not only a two deep, but a three deep. Yeah. I think we have almost like twenty players on scholarship, actually at the offensive line spot. Quarter of our scholarships, yeah, yeah, almost. And you see, and we brought in kids like a Julian Armella. We also yep. brought in a Quayshon Sapp, and I think not. I think not Jarrell Powers. I think he's he's a tight end. Jalen Early too, like coming into work there as well. And they they seem to come in. The, I guess for summer session, they seem to come in in really good shape. So it may, leads me to believe that this offensive line is going to be really damn good. Like not, maybe not this year, but the year after. And it just makes you kind of wonder how elite would this team have been if Alex Atkins right now would have been the offensive line coach in 2013. Sorry. Yeah, no, after, after 2013. Don't, don't make us play that game. But what, what we do know is that it doesn't seem like Atkins has just gotten the best out of crap. And that's just always going to be the case. It seems like we're actually improving the quality of the line, not just, for the upcoming year, but going forward, we're putting enough pieces in the system that we got to be able to churn out five, you know, capable ACC offensive linemen at this point. And he's showing on the recruiting trail too. I think Roderick Kearney is actually on campus right now, unofficially visiting too. He's a four-star kid that we're trying to land. Lucas Simmons is on official visit this weekend. So, I mean, right now, like it, we, I, I feel like a broken record at this point, but Alex Atkins is hundred percent the best recruiter and the best coach on staff right now. And thank the Lord that he's here because he yep. is, he's the brightest of bright spots right now on that staff. But Dave, yep. I think we've done enough of that. I think that yep. was a great enough recruiting. Enough recruiting. Enough recruiting. Yeah, I, I know. We're not the recruiting podcast. Yeah, that's not our bag. And I try to bring as much as I can for you guys. But uh, I think this, to quote the great Trey Roland, basically, who cares about some <laughs> 17-year-old big kid from the middle of Iowa? No one does. We don't on here, but we'd love for you all to play for us here. But Dave, there was a fun little exercise that I saw in the comments section for a mentor meal like Monday. Obviously, it's Tuesday, so we're going to push it back to this today. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this question from Lotto. And Lotto actually asked us that, what do you think the record of this team would be if we had this year's roster, so 2022's roster, with last season's schedule? So I kind of want to you know, get your thoughts on that. 
Well, it's funny. If, so go back and look at last year's schedule. Um, I think the roster, we lost an important, like it's tough to overstate the importance of losing Jermaine Johnson. I think he's, he's at a position where thankfully it's more replaceable than like losing your best quarterback. Um, but I think the roster overall is better this year. So Agreed. all else, all else equal, I think we should just be in a better, better position roster wise. But if you go back and look at that schedule, that was a freaking hard schedule, man. Like the last five games last year were Clemson, NC state, Miami, BC, Florida, all five of those games, BC, we should beat. But I I said it earlier, a couple months ago, that's one of those sneaky losable games this year. It seems to be every year, every time we play them, it's one of those sneaky losable games. Um, But those were a five game stretch to end the season last year. You could have lost all five of those. Uh, we didn't, thankfully, and we won two out of those five. This year, I would predict us to win three out of those five. Uh, but one of those games is probably a coin flip. So you could end up between that UMass and Florida stretch, same exact record. Um, rest of that schedule, though, it's you have you and Max have this theory about Mac Brown, and like it's proven true every year. It's like phenomenal that he can't beat FSU. I mean, there's certain things you can't, you, like, there's certain things you understand in sports that will just never come to fruition. Like Pedro Martinez is owned by the Yankees. Hence, you know, the fourth, basically the Yankees are my daddy. Clayton Kershaw in the postseason is ineffective as a starter. That's yep. also true. So then seeing Mac Brown is what? Oh, and nine now at this point against Florida state as a head, as a coach of any capacity. I mean, why would you bet against that? It just feels like, you know, the guy is soul no blooded at heart. He bleeds garnet and gold that he will never allow FSU to lose in a game he's involved in. I mean, and that's something that you know we wish from every alumni. But the way I like kind of like the way I kind of look at it overall, like at the schedule, I felt that there were certain things that you could point out with each loss, and we'll do that in the next segment. Where if we had some players on this roster, the one that we have currently, and we bring you know bring over to last year's, that actually would change it overall and basically actually turn maybe turn into a win, and we potentially might be flirting with a nine win season. So, Dave, like, as I said before, like, looking overall at this schedule, yeah. where do you think basically this roster would probably guarantee you a flip from a loss to a W? Okay. So, first of all, I think that Jacksonville State game, if we were to lose that again, I, I don't know, I, something, something bad, something unforgivably bad would happen. There's no chance we would lose that game. Um, I, I don't. It depends how like the other teams developed too for me though, because like I firmly believe we should have beat Clemson last year. DJU was, was just, he helped us. He helped us win that game. And you know, what happened at the end was unfortunate, but we could have beat Clemson. If DJU is not any better, Clemson is beatable again this year. Um, Mm -hmm. We just, there's, there's a lot of things on that schedule last year that I think made that schedule harder than it is this year. I think the schedule this year is easier. Um, if you took this year's roster and put it against last year's schedule, if you're asking me for an outright answer, I, I think we're what I'm doing, yeah. I think we're one win better. I think it's a six and six team. I think we beat Jacksonville State. The rest of it, there's games that, and we'll let's talk about them. There's games that could go either way, but. I need to see something before I start predicting that this team would suddenly do things magically better because no, nothing, nothing about the way this team has been coached 
um, over the last half decade has led me to believe things will just drastically and suddenly turn around for the best. So I, I can point out to two games right now automatically. I mean, one of them you mentioned was Jacksonville State, obviously. I think you have a better wide receiver once they're junior and Micah Pittman. And I think Max points to this a lot where the pass Keishan helm and drop basically was kind of the a foreshadowing how the rest of the game will go. So that's to be yep. an easy W. Yep. I, also I know what you're going to say. What? You think Florida? Say, yeah. Why is that? It was a three-point game. They were just not good last year. At the, at the quarterback position, we were the better team. Um, they had the worst of the quarterbacks. <laughs> and that's pretty incredible to me. And it was a three-point game. What was the most memorable miscue from that game? Oh, my God. I don't even – I blacked it out. So, do you remember the Ontario Wilson drop punt? Oh, yeah, I sure do. Thanks for reminding me. So, with that drop punt, mainly because I say that that will be – that probably also – I'm pretty sure, actually, we were getting the ball back. And also, that was after an interception by Anthony Richardson, too. I think that's right. Two two years before. So, Ontario Wilson isn't taking returning punts this year for the team. He's he's not even returning kicks either. That's a job done by Micah Pittman and Winston Wright Jr. Trust him. Trust both of them doing that. I trust oh, big both time. Them, and I trust both of them to do it well also. Because, I mean, you've seen their highlights from basically from Oregon and West Virginia, respectively. Yep. That's something that they're actually really damn good at. And yep. to me, that's something that, you know what? Quite honestly, that probably changes the tide of the game. Because also, as much as people like to say that, hey, they're coaching differently because they don't have them all anymore. It also is really easy to kind of crush the spirit of a team when they don't have a new a coach. The season's almost over, and that you might as well at the, at the end of the day be like, you know what, season's season's done, season's over. I can just go home with that overall. So that's two wins right there at seven and five. Yep. And to me, when it comes to wide receivers, I think Clemson's a team. As like, that's a game when you have better weapons on the outside, you can steal that too. So I really legitimately think that this team is three wins better if they have last in the schedule. And like you said. That schedule last year was harder, primarily because yeah, you have the Notre Dame game, that stretch of NC of Clemson on the road, then NC State, then Miami, then traveling to Boston College to play them and the refs, which is a which is a New England staple, and then going back down to Florida. That's a tough stretch, and the, yeah. se- the schedule this season, I mean, I was in the unpopular in the minority, is a lot more favorable to us in comparison to this. Yeah, there's a big positive takeaway from this, which is. I think we agree that no less than one game improvement. I tend to agree that like, I'm not going to pick one in particular necessarily, but I think one of those other games you lost, uh, you, you would have won. So you're, if you're, if you're just talking about one year removed from last year, we take the exact same schedule and we're probably two games better. That means the coaches are making the team better. The quality of the talent uh, and the potential turning into talent is happening correctly. So that means we're at least headed in the right direction. Definitely. And we've beat this horse dead, not as quickly as we want to, and as quickly as we probably should have been able to. But the fact that we're agreeing just this one year better, ro- one year later roster would be two full games better. I think that speaks to the fact that at least there's some positivity to look to going into this year, just based on that alone. And I think it's overall because I think what the statistic is is that I think FSU returns, I think, 82% of its production from last year, and that yeah. is with losing a Jermaine Johnson, who was a first-round pick, losing a Keir Thomas, losing your number one Jason Corbin. Corbin, too, as well. And that's me. I mean, the floor, I think, for this team, the roster overall is higher. 
Um, I think also more importantly, it's a deeper team. We've already talked about how basically half the damn team is offensive linemen, which listen, I'm fine with. We also have, we brought in four separate wide receiver transfers coming in and Winston Wright Jr., Micah Pittman, Johnny Wilson, Deuce Span. And also we don't talk about him a lot, but we always forget to mention him. We brought in Tatum Bethune in the linebacking core. We yeah. brought in Greedy Vance for defensive depth too as well. So it looks to me that overall, like this team, the roster, and I know it's June and I know it's elite live season, but I like truly feel confident that this team roster wise is the best roster we've seen top to dot bottom average wise since maybe 2017. Yeah. And Drake, another thing you didn't even mention is that Jordan Travis got better last year from the year before um, most important position on the field. We should be better at this year than last year and better than the year before. So that's important. And it's funny if you go look at somebody who covers the ACC exclusively, basically in David Hale, I'm not saying like you should put a ton of stock into his opinion on Florida state football, but that man loves this roster. Just go read his tweets. He he's excited about the wide receiver. I think he calls himself. I was like, why do I love this roster so much? (laughs) I I know. And, and you know what? I'm I'm sure he didn't just wake up and say, "Hmm, I like Florida state. Like obviously goes through the rosters. There is a lot to like about this roster. There's reason to believe the staff, has a lot more to work with and is going to be able to do a better job with it. And the product on the field will improve. Once that happens, you can recruit better. It's a cycle. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Can't recruit without results. Can't result without recruits. Uh, something like that. Um, right. And th- this, this year should be better just based on the fact that the roster is better than last year and that we would have been better this coming year against last year's schedule because of that. So I'm excited about that, man. There's reason to be excited about that. Um, this isn't like a doom and gloom fest. There's there's, we're get, we're going to make a bowl game this year. We're going to make a bowl game this year. If, if I have to mark these words and come back to this, Oh, we're going to make a bowl game this year. I think it's going to be all right. I think we're making a bowl game this year. And I think also that the team is good enough roster wise, like you were saying before to win at the bare minimum seven games. I think that Mike Norvell and company have the tools at their disposal to basically, you know, move forward. And basically, you know, he won three in his first season. He won five last year. If he wins seven, at least the man's consistent with the two win improvement. That means that we will be nine and three the year after, and then 11 and one the year after that. So, Hey, that'd be dope. Drake with everything that we've said, we see this hashtag a lot. We see it said a lot in our comments, a lot on Twitter. Don't you dare do. Are you confident? just for one more year at least, that Mike got us. This is how you know it's the offseason. I am confident that Mac, I am confident that hashtag Mike got us because I think that he's constructed a roster that he basically, it's now his team. And we saw with his first year, didn't have his players, played poorly. Last year, you saw glimpses of, you know, improvement, but you also saw some of the bad, you know, some of the bad plays. This year, it's majority of his own doing in his own roster. So, yeah, hashtag Mike got us. And, folks, we got y'all Monday through Friday or Tuesday through Thursday, depending on if it's over the summer, during the offseason. We have y'all. Thank you so much for being locked on Seminoles, your first listen each and every single day. And as always, folks, five-star reviews, either on our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. And also, Dave, let them know about YouTube. No. Okay. So hit the little uh, bell at the top. Uh, subscribe to the channel um, and make sure your notifications are turned on or something like that. And hey, give us, give us a follow. Is that a thing? 
This isn't is Facebook, you old, you old. I'm hack. regressing. You are, you are really regressing because you don't want to do it anymore, but I'm going to keep making you do it until you get this right. And also like this video and also always put comments down below so we can get them off our mandatory mailbag Monday. And also how about with themes of the episode, as you see with our question with Lotto. Now, with that being said, this was Drake. And that was David. And we'll see you all next time on Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody. Catch you.